Welcome back to Channel 4's Unreported World podcast. This week, Peter Oborn is in Karachi, where gang violence is killing and injuring hundreds of people, and local neighbourhoods are living in fear. of ethnic and political murder is engulfing Pakistan's largest city, Karachi. There's one organization battling to save the victims. I'm just walking up to the Eddy Center here, which dispatches ambulances all around the town, focusing on the poorest areas which bear the brunt of the crime and the violence. The Edie Foundation is a charity which provides a free ambulance service. It's desperately needed in a country without a functioning welfare state. The staff regularly have to deal with gang violence, political assassinations and terrorism. Mohammed Salim is the longest serving ambulance driver. He's been working for the ED Foundation for 24 years. He deals with the toughest parts of the city. Shootings occur all over this city. Purana, Golimad, Sada. Currently, Liari town is most dangerous. There is gun crime here every day. Salim has dealt with every imaginable horror and emergency, from earthquakes to bomb blasts. We can get called out five or six times a night. Sometimes we don't get a chance to sit down. Sometimes we don't go home. We do this all day, all night, even 24 hours. there'd been a gang shootout. Salim wasn't sure if it was over, but he knew there were injured people. In Karachi, most of Pakistan's ethnic groups, the Pashtun, Mujadir, Sindhi and Baluch, live in segregated neighbourhoods. Each is ruled by its own criminal gang. We headed to Layari district. These alleyways are controlled by warring gangs. They will enter each other's territory and begin shooting. Layari is especially violent as it's where the different gangs are battling for territory. Camera down. Salim has asked us to put the camera down. He says we're approaching a very dangerous area now where the shooting's just taking place. This is the area. There's some police just ahead of us and an armoured uh, patrol vehicle. Salim spoke to the police. The gangsters had just fled. The police officer told us a fight had broken out between members of the same gang. 
The officer says that the criminals around here have pistols, they have Kalashnikov machine guns and even rocket launchers. Salim calls his control room. He discovered a young man had been injured in the crossfire. His father was driving him towards the hospital. Salim followed him there. How old is the young man joined the gangs? Anywhere between 18 and 30 years old. They're young people. What they don't realize is that for 5,000 rupees, they have traded death for life, for them and their family. If there are no breadwinners in the home and 15 mouths to feed, then what are they to do? Either they will take up guns or they will join gangs. At the heart of this bloody war is a battle for money. The gangs extort protection money from shops, factories and offices, as well as fight over a multi-million pound drug trade. The violence stems from competition over who controls these lucrative operations. In the last two months, 169 innocent bystanders were injured in gang fighting. We arrived at the hospital. Which one is he? Salim stayed in the ambulance in case another call came through. We found the injured man. Shahed Jawed had been shot in the face. The bullet had missed his brain by millimeters. What happened to you? Shahed said he'd been standing on his balcony when the shooting started. There's another gunshot victim just come in from the Yari, where the shooting took place earlier. Mohammed Iqbal had been caught in the crossfire in a separate case of gang violence. It looks like the bullet is still inside his leg. I was just out buying some chewing tobacco when firing broke out. The next thing I knew, I was hit. Does this sort of thing happen a lot? Yes, especially where I live. Street crime is rife. Within 15 minutes, we've had two separate gunshot victims come into this hospital. It shows you how dangerous Karachi is. In the last 60 years, the population of Karachi has risen from 300,000 to nearly 20 million. The pressure for homes, water and food has led to furious conflicts between the rival ethnic groups. Back at the Edi base, new calls for help were coming in. We've just heard there's been a gunshot episode somewhere in Karachi. We're going right now in the ambulance. The person who needed help was a suspected gunman. But Salim was as determined to get to him as he would have been for anyone else. This is the scariest journey I've taken in my life. We're driving the wrong way on the fast lane of a motorway in the face of heavy incoming traffic.
The injured suspect had been taken to a nearby police station. Salim discovered his desperate efforts to get to the scene were wasted. What happened here? This man was attempting to steal a car. The police saw him and there was a shootout. And he was killed. Inside the station, the police showed us the evidence they had gathered. In front of me are the last registered belongings of the robber. His name was Shahzad, we've just been told by the police. And here is his 9mm pistol. Here is his mobile phone. Here are the heavily blood-stained cash, maybe some of the stuff he was stealing. Outside, Shazad's family had arrived to collect his body and protest against his killing. Shazad's father told me his son was just 22 years old. He's disputing the claim by the police that he had a record as a criminal. He says no, he had one minor episode of hash smoking. That was it. But he says that his son didn't have a job. There's total unemployment around here. Jobs are impossible. Some 1,300 people were killed in gangland violence in Karachi last year, far more than the number of deaths from terrorism in all of Pakistan. Many of the bodies end up at the morgue run by the Edi Foundation. How many people do you bring into this morgue, Salim? Countless. Even I don't know how many bodies I've brought here. Since joining the ED Foundation, my heart has turned to stone. Let me give you an example. Recently, my mother passed away and I laughed. My relatives asked, why are you laughing? I replied, this happens every day. This is only one mother. How many mothers and children have we already taken to the morgue? These daily confrontations with death were taking their toll on Salim. Later that day, we followed him to a large funeral procession. Two members of an Islamist political party had been gunned down. Salim and other Edi ambulance drivers are present as these high-profile funerals often come under attack. I asked Salim if he often attends similar events. Yes, absolutely. We always accompany the processions. I do this for everyone, no matter what party they belong to. We were told the two dead men were targeted by a rival political group. 
Danish Kadri and Wazim Kadri were ambushed as they made their way home in the evening Russia. The killing suggested disturbing links between mainstream political parties and the gangs controlling the streets. In the crowd, we found Shoab, the brother of one of the victims. Shoab, why was your brother killed? He told us his brother was killed because of his political work. Party workers are routinely assassinated. Last year, 447 were murdered in Karachi alone. These deaths have even been given their own name, targeted killings. As the gang and political turf wars continue, Salim and his colleagues are not the only ones wrestling with violence in Karachi. We travel to the western outskirts of the city to meet Nazrullah Khan, station house officer for Maripur district. His job is so dangerous, he travels everywhere with two bodyguards. Always threats, always threats. We are on the high risk. If you are going to catch somebody, if you are going to arrest somebody or kill, uh, they are very dangerous. They will never leave you. They, uh, they will harm you, they will harm your family. How many of your officers have been killed in the last year or two? I don't know the exact figures, but uh, it, it will be more than 100 police officers. More than 100? Yes. In Karachi? Yes, more than 100, yes. Nazrullah's patrol took us to an old Christian graveyard. He was checking for bodies from targeted killings as they are frequently dumped in this solitary area. They come here and they throw the body. You can see the blood. This is the human blood. Yeah, it's quite recent. They come and they throw the bodies here. In there too. Yes, yes. It's pretty bleak. The graveyard is now kept under constant surveillance. The last body they found here was 20 days ago. Nazrullah makes great personal sacrifices to do his job. My sweet bed. <laughs> yes. He only sees his wife and three children once a week. This is, these are my old clothes, my uniforms, my. CV. There's so much violence. He now lives and sleeps in his office. They must miss you, though, your family. My family, ko, my children, ko, maabap ko, bahen bhaiyon ko, miss karta hu. Yes, I miss my kids and the rest of my family. But I feel that God has put this responsibility upon my shoulders to do the job. Every day, Nazrullah wakes up knowing he could die. He survived numerous shootouts and killed many criminals in the process.
to make matters worse, the beleaguered city police force is 2,000 men short of its strength. Despite the lack of fuel and weapons, officers like Nasrullah refuse to give in. He took a call from one of his many informers. I got just uh, one information that uh, there are two robbers who are uh, sitting uh, in the hut and they robbed one innocent uh, manager and they, during the resistance, uh, they kill that manager. Mobile Hawks Bay, Mahafiz Mahdi Nasrullah's intelligence officer was already at the scene. He said the suspected gang members were just a hundred feet away. Nasrullah ordered his officers into action. They surrounded the beach hut and launched an attack. They all knew the suspects were armed and given the chance would try to kill them. The men had been taken by surprise because they were high on drugs. There are reportedly two million drug addicts in Karachi, 10% of the population. Here we have uh, one type of drug. We call them taryak. It's mixture of heroin and uh, hash. And uh, when they use that, for two, three days, they're gone. They don't even know if they kill the person. Most of the times we arrest the persons, they don't even remember how many persons they killed last night, they killed whom they said, we don't know, we don't remember. Were you present on the night these were stolen? Yes, sir. So if you confront the victim, what do you do if they resist? We shoot. Do you feel guilty killing somebody over a mobile? We were out of it, on drugs. Is it normal for them to admit at once to crimes? Yes, I told you one thing. They are very professional. They know the court procedures. And they know nobody will come to witness against them. So this gave them advantage and they took the bail and they come out and they start again the crime. Last year in Karachi, of all reported violent crimes, only 5% resulted in a conviction. As Karachi descends into chaos, anyone trying to do good faces an impossible task. Later on came news the police themselves have come under attack. When we arrived at the hospital, 
there were chaotic scenes. We found ED ambulance staff helping the injured policeman into the emergency ward. I was sitting in the office with a colleague when another police officer started shooting at us. At least six policemen had been injured and one killed in this random attack. No one could say why the policeman had opened fire on his friends. It was another example of the violent anarchy consuming Karachi. Before I left, I wanted to visit Salim, the ambulance driver, one last time. He invited me to his home to have breakfast with his wife and six children. I wanted to know how he coped working in what amounted to a war zone. Whenever I pick up a patient, they and their family pray for me. That's the reward that satisfies me. That and the knowledge I have saved a life. I'm not motivated by money as much as the service I provide to people. Salim's family know when he leaves for work, they may never see him again. Yet after 25 years, they were proud he was still driven to help others. So, Salim, what lies ahead for you today? God willing, I hope everything will be fine and that no mother loses her child. Another day, another shift. This time, not a victim of shooting, but an old man who'd collapsed while crossing the street. Many fear Pakistan is in danger of collapsing into a failed state with desperate consequences for the rest of the world. But the presence of ordinary people as brave and self-sacrificing as Salim gives every cause for hope. To know more about the defenders of Karachi or anything else on Unreported World, please visit our website www.channel4.com/unreportedworld. Our thanks to Peter Oborn. On our next Unreported World, Oliver Steeds goes to China, where mentally ill people are being kidnapped into slavery, and he follows one man's search for his missing son. Until then, you can catch up with the latest from the series at channel4.com slash unreportedworld. <laughs>